Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, the writer's room podcast dedicated to rewriting the Star Wars sequels. I'm Bryce Quinn, and I'm joined by Cole Fulfang Fan, one of our guest hosts. How are you doing, Cole? Hello, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing... Uh, I've got a cough, actually. Anyway. That sucks. Uh, and also joined by Sandra Carrion, our progress supervisor. Hello! Fill us in on our progress, Sandra. Oh, uh, well, we got a fun episode today. Yeah. Um, we're doing the First Order and Captain Phasma, how that sort of integrates into the universe, into, like, a wider scale, and how we're going to sort of play that in the first movie. In terms really. of an overall update, so we're in the thick of our release schedule right now for our first batch of nine episodes or so. What we've got coming up is a writer's room that the five of us are going to do together. We're going to get our treatments together, and the goal is to create some kind of semblance of a treatment that our listeners and, and viewers and whatever can actually go and read. So we have something tangible, something physical, as our first draft presented to the community, to the audience, to the world. So that's what we're working on at the moment, um, and that's what we'll be putting forward in the next couple months. So it's July for us right now, so hopefully by August or September, we've got something tangible for everyone to read and have a look at and say, oh, there's some actual progress. But yeah. for right now, like you said, Captain Phasma and the First Order. So let's jump into it. How the show works, really quick. We start with some context. Who is who is the people we're talking about? Yada, yada, yada. Move on to what went wrong with those people, or those groups in the sequel trilogy, and then Article 2, how we can throw some ideas together to fix those elements in the movies for our own rewrite. But context, Captain Phasma, on screen, classic military general villain, dies in the second movie, very cool armor, very bland character. That's all mm. I wrote. Well, I fully agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think Before we get into critiques, let's just do context. We can talk about her in the comics and who her actual character is. We'll dive real hard into... Why we hate her. <laughs> hate her is a strong <laughs> word, but uh, yeah, any any kind of critiques on that. Uh, whilst I'm like very hazy yeah. on the Phasma lore, I know that there's a lot of fans of the book, and I think there's some comics also expanding on her background, and I, I heard that it's generally well-received amongst fans, and they don't feel like they got to see much of that within the movies, within the saga. Where I stand on that is where what I've seen of her, okay. what I've seen in the movies, which okay. is, I feel like, are we, are we doing... We're just, like, setting up. We're just doing context right now. Yeah. And if we had uh, Carmelo Extended Universe Keating here right now with us, yeah. he would probably <laughs> dive into the book that she's, like, the, the book that everyone likes. Mm. And he really loves Extended Universe stuff. He really loves the books. Uh, he loves Bloodline, obviously. It's Carmelo Bloodline Keating is what we call him. He would he would probably tell us about the books. And he's probably very frustrated with us, the three of us, not really knowing much about it. Cole, you got I anything like to... I feel like I did research ages ago. Yeah. And it, it's since then, it's been... It's been ages and it's so foggy in my, my head right now. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like so bad coming on. That's uh, fine. Not being able to elaborate. Cole, you got anything for us? Well, I also unfortunately don't know much about Phasma outside. <laughs> outside well, aren't of the, we just well, the three perfect people Outside of the context of the films. Yeah. So uh, in a way, that's a problem with the films. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah. I I distinctly remember when Force Awakens was coming out and how hard they promoted Phasma. Oh, yeah. Like, it, in the all, trailers, incredibly. Yeah, I remember yeah, the parallels the was drawn to Boba Fett. It was like, exactly, oh, this is like yeah. their cool design. Oh, my yeah. God, I remember so many people, you know, like, buying all the merch before the film even came out. Yeah. I mean, mm. Everyone's going to be so excited for Phasma. And as well, Gwendolyn Christie, amazing actress. Oh, great casting, yeah. great actress, yeah. I know, and then she just doesn't do much in Force Awakens, and then, and then guys dies, dies, dies at the end of Yeah, yeah, and... Yeah. And that's all we get of her really on screen. Yeah. We don't really get any history, backstory, lore, what her personality is even like. We get one scene where she does the uh, the trash compactor scene where she gives up all the info. Um, and then we've actually talked about in a previous episode that there's a deleted scene where Finn calls her out in front of all the troopers. In The Last Jedi. In The Last Jedi. Yeah. And says, oh, she gave you all up. Yada, yada. Like, she betrayed you. And then she kills them all, I think. And there's mm. a deleted scene that they, they shot. And Miller mm. loves that scene. And we compared it to, like, an Andor scene kind of thing. It was very brutal. Yeah. It was very, it was very dark, yeah. Yeah. So that's some of the, like... That's the very little context that we're presented with for Phasma. So I think we can wrap that one up, jump right into yeah. First Order. This one we have a lot more context for. This one we've actually done a little bit more research on. <laughs> uh, so direct ripoff of the Empire as it was in A New Hope. That's it. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good context, and then we can build on from there. So um, we also have a lot to talk about with the EU history, as well as Mandalorian canon, which they've been building on a lot more recently mm. in the Mandalorian show. First Order yeah. kind of shows up out of nowhere and just becomes the de facto big power in the galaxy, despite the fact that the uh, the New Republic already exists. Yes. Mike's first there one. There he is. There we go. He's back. He's back. We then have the 
final order, but that's kind of different. Oh, is it? I, uh, dude, Rise of Skywalker, literally in my head, I treat like fan fiction. And the final order, yeah. I think, is the, the straw that broke the camel's back for I me. I still haven't one. seen it. I you still like haven't seen Rise of Skywalker? Dude, dude I love you Skywalker. so much. That's so funny. I know. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I feel like last time I did an episode with you, you still you hadn't seen it. And we're like, yeah. oh, we got to make you watch that. I know. And we're going to do it at some point. Every time before I've like even worked on this podcast or anything, I've said to myself, oh, I better watch Rise of Skywalker <laughs> before I come on. God, I love that. Still haven't. Can't be bothered. <laughs> so it's watch. fine. It's fine. Star Destroyers, they come out of the ground. There's like a thousand of them. There's a thousand of them, and yeah. they all have mini Death Stars on them. Yeah, and somehow, somehow they exist. Somehow uh, Palpatine came back. Somehow, somehow Palpatine, Palpatine returned. returned. So that's, yeah, so that's where they get to at the end with the First Order, with the, the big ships coming out with the Death Star lasers and stuff, which is uh, a, a very silly writing decision. But anyways. Uh, they're led by Snoke. They're led by Supreme Leader Snoke. Supreme Leader Snoke, who is depicted in the films as sort of like their beneficiary, like the person funding everything that they're doing. And Wait, is that how he's depicted in the law? Yeah. He has like the money and, that, and the funding. That, that's and why he's yeah. like the leader. Interesting. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I okay. So for the listeners, sorry, if I'm annoying. I aggressively don't care about extended universe stuff. <laughs> I really love the movies. I'm not a huge Clone Wars fan. I love Andor, and I watch all the Disney Plus TV shows. But apart from that, I don't really dig into it too much. But because the First Order is also comprised of some ex-Imperial, there's obviously another motive there. Yeah, so they've got you know some ex-Imperial loyalists and that kind of thing. For the majority of their ships and resources and all that kind of stuff, it seems like it, like you're saying that General Snoke, or Supreme Leader Snoke, brings that to the table. Yeah. Then they also have General Hux, who is you know played by uh, Donald Gleason, who we love, yeah. and then He's awesome. we also have Captain Phasma. A lot of our rewrites, we talk about changing it to General Phasma and then Senator Hux, but we've talked about that a lot, mm. so we're just gonna. In the Mandalorian, we see a lot of references to, especially in season three, Operation Necromancer. They call it or Project Necromancer, yeah. and that's the I think they're trying to clone Palpatine and bring him back. Yeah, it's still I a bit of a mystery. They're but... setting up for I think like a like a cloning Snoke trying kind of thing. to kind of do. What we got that episode in season two as well. Yeah, where he like he's going past the back to tank, and they see all the clones in the back to tank. Yeah, so they're trying to do a, a Clone Wars and try and bridge some of the gap between. You know, mm. the sequels and the original trilogy and fill in some of the spaces and the questions we have with Extended yeah. Universe. But so. they're trying to fill in questions that they, they didn't have answers to previously. And they, that's yes. yeah. So it's like retroactive storytelling, mm. which is, yeah. I mean, we've already, we're already seeing the, the cracks to go about it. starting to show because a lot of people didn't really react well to season three of The Mandalorian. Got anything, Cole, to jump in with the First Order context and stuff? Uh, well, I mean, like, I always, with the First Order, I always feel just this sense of, it, actually, just with the sequels, it's always the sense of, like, so much potential and especially like with a character like phasma and all that i feel like at the core there's so there there's this really good ground to build these great leadership characters say what you will about jj abrams and the whole mystery box storytelling and leaving everything ambiguous <laughs> i will say but, what i will about yeah. that. <laughs> but i mean like snoke was a very cool part of force awakens and i think there was a very good mystery there if only they had a good answer about yeah, it. I remember we, oh, back in the day it was very alluring the whole internet was going like what is snoke yeah who is he that's the time everyone thought he was going to be fucking Mace Windu. Yeah, oh my God, that's so funny. That's it's, where I think Darth Jar Jar came out of that era too, right? Yeah, I think Darth Jar Jar yeah. did come out of that era. Because there was so was much a, um... theory crafting about Rey and her lineage and about Snoke and who he was and where mm. he was from, all that kind of stuff. It was like um, a huge part of like And Darth Jar Jar sort of just became then the meme. Yeah, yeah. The meme of the, the theory crafting. And it, it's like, it's kind of gorgeous. Like it's kind of, it's very funny and it's very, um, it's fun like reminiscing on a, on a time where like that was the fun thing to do. And then, uh, and then we get Rise of Skywalker, which obviously sort of like takes a back step and then we're just hop skipping around with Rise of Skywalker. Oh, sorry. Last you got Jedi. Last Jedi. Yeah. Takes a back step and then we're hop skipping yeah. around with Rise of Skywalker. Yes. So it's, it goes a bit everywhere. Snoke yeah. dies in Last Jedi. We have his huge hologram. We have all these ships, yada, yada, yada. So we've got a huge monolithic force of the First Order and then the Final Order. Don't get context for how they came about, who is running it, where it comes from. And that's mm. something we are really looking to change and build upon in our rewrite. But I think that covers the context pretty well. Let's jump into our Article 1, something I, I can feel the tension in the room. The three of us are so keen to really hound on Phasma and First Order. So let's right. jump into it. I got something to say about Phasma. She, I feel like she dies twice. I feel like she's already dead in The Force Awakens. Interesting. Yeah, yeah right. Um, like, I think we've talked about this before. Solo's like, oh, let's, you know, just chuck her down the... Trash compactor. Trash compactor. <laughs> and it's assumed that you that she dies, right? It's, it's assumed that they do it because the next scene, she's not there. Yeah, and she doesn't yeah. come back for the final act. And that's, yeah, that's and it. then it and blows up. Blows up, <laughs> yeah. And, so, that's, and that's it. And then in Last Jedi, she's just back again. She's back. That's I a think great it's point. an incredibly cool suit design. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Although it's just the, a silver version of the first order. 
troopers. Yeah. And she's the got first, that cape, you know, she got that like, shoulder the, cape. The, ca- yeah. the shoulder cape Rad. is really cool. And the spear. And the spear is awesome. But like, if we're just breaking it down then to first order troopers, first order troopers look shockingly similar to storm, storm troopers. And That's it's trying, yeah. it's clearly trying to like recreate something from that. And it makes sense why armors would be similar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if they've already been optimized in a mil- military sense, such as like the yeah. Clone Wars and then the Empire. But it felt more like a, like a Disney wanting to make Star Wars kind of decision rather than oh, very design much. decision. Disney was like, yeah. you know, back, same with Lucas back in the day. Let's design a character that's going to sell toys like hotcakes. And, and they're did. really good at it. That's, yeah. you know, they, that's what they do. Cole, you want to jump in with anything? Yeah, well, I guess like with Phasma, um, like are we critiquing or... This is critiques, yes. Okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, once again, it's another unfleshed out character, right? Yeah, you yet ask, another. Yeah, and you ask line. so many questions. You want to know more about her. They yeah. never explore that. One thing that... I really wish happened a bit more that just is not kind of there is the rivalry between Finn and Phasma is really not developed enough. Like, sure, you kind of go in with the understanding that, you know, he she's his superior and when he falls out, obviously they're going to hate each other. But at least from my recollection about watching through the sequels, well, two of them, <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't feel like that rivalry is really earned. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, it just, it's not. I agree. Me. I think that rivalry isn't explored in any capacity of close to what it could have been. Yeah. They don't even come close to it. Yeah. Um, no, and they, no. there's so much potential there. Well, exactly. they're so separate in rank that it just, like, it makes no sense for it to be called a rivalry. I think it's more of just a hatred. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's built out of Finn's hatred for what the First Order is. And because Phasma kind of represents everything that the fo- yeah. First Order is, like, she's like the embodiment of that force. It's kind of like all my hatred from what the First Order did to me yeah. is towards you yeah. specifically. But that's us like reading hard into but it. But that's us that's reading not really hard presented. into it. I would like yeah, it to be no. present. Like if we're going to go back and do this, I'd like that to be Explicit present. in the text. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like very clear. Like that's, they hate each other. Not just Phasma. It's just like, oh, you betrayed us. So I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She kind of feels like indifferent to him almost yeah, in some just... of the scenes. And then in other scenes, yeah. it's like, oh, she directly hates you specifically in the end of Last Jedi, for example. Yeah. Mm, oh yeah. Like she, like she knows him yeah. specifically yeah, yeah like exactly. she's coming and for him in particular when really i think phasma should and i know like this is jumping ahead this isn't really a criticism but like the, the thoughts in my head i feel like finn should like hate her way more than she actually yeah. cares about finn because like really i feel like finn would just be another number exactly uh, it would really like show how she views all her subordinates it's just like numbers on a, on, a, yeah. on, a, on a sheet you know yeah interesting like crawl who crawl i don't oh. know who you're talking about clone wars Jedi. Oh, Pom Krell? Pom Krell. I can't believe I just gave you a Clone Wars name. What the heck? Yeah, I know. Fuck. (laughs) That never happens. I said Krell. Yeah, Jedi Master Pom Krell in the the Umbara arc. Yeah, Yeah, in the Umbara arc. One of the few arcs I've seen, yeah. Never has a cool moment like Boba Fett. I wrote this one down. So yeah, true. Boba Fett gets this uh, the moment in Empire Strikes Back where he successfully tracks down the Millennium Falcon, captures Han Solo, yada, 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 and takes him back to, to Jabba's palace. Very cool character. Doesn't get a whole lot to do, but at least he has that where he succeeds and outsmarts the heroes. And yeah. It's like a cool kind of foil. He looks cool, but he gets to do a cool thing. Great. Captain Phasma looks cool. Never really gets a scene where she gets to shine herself. No. She never gets to actually, and I really desperately want to have her have a really cool fight scene. And I'm going to get to that later in some yeah. of my ideas. But I've got a, I've got a cool idea for a fight scene. But I want her to have a cool moment. She never gets one in, mm. in the sequels. No, for sure. First Order's criticisms. Uh, yeah, we can jump into First Order. Well, like, I feel like we brought this up a bit, even in like our Palpatine episode. Just like this basic world building, the setup of we don't really know how this came to be yeah it just sort of appears we get some text at the start of force awakens yeah like very yeah. like very short vague text. vague answers and we're led to expect that this huge force is now like kind of dominating the galaxy even though that they just even though it's been like what like 20 years in yeah the yeah actual sequels since they defeated the empire the galaxy's had this chance to grow a like a new republic like yeah really. and how did they build star killer base uh, yeah, yeah. How did yeah. how did they do that? Especially like when we saw how long it took to do the Death Star and the scale of Star Killer Base as well. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely. Um, I heard a really great criticism once from a YouTuber, Jeremy Johns, and he um he was like, "What is like? I think it was just after Last Jedi came out. He's like, "What even is this galaxy? Who are these people? Yeah. Why? So is it just like the rebels and the Imperials fighting against each other, mm. and then the rest of the galaxy is just ignoring them? Because yeah. you don't ever see." what it looks like to just be a citizen in this world. Yeah. And so the world building, especially the sequels makes it this way, is so weak. So, yeah. and it doesn't really create a world that you can even imagine yourself to live and breathe in. I say the prequels actually do a better job of that. 
I agree. I, I think um there is a time where you do get to see what it's like to be a citizen in the sequels. Which is when? Um, that's when they cut to the citizens right before they Explode. get hit with the yeah. big red laser. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you get to see you get to see them looking at a big red laser and being like, Oh no, big red laser. Ah, uh, yeah. And I really felt in that moment. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's what it's like to live there. That's yeah. what it's like to get hit by a big red laser. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway, so yeah, they don't really they don't really take time to do that yeah. at all in the sequels to really kind of no. flesh out that world building. From a writing perspective, obviously that's world building, that's meta kind of stuff. From writing, it's so clear what they did. All they wanted to do was just wind back the, the clock so that it's a big empire fighting an underdog mm. group of rebels exactly like A New Hope because we know yeah. that is exactly what J.J. Abrams set out to do with The Force Awakens and yeah. the scriptwriters and everything. That's- I think having a big empire isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think in one way or another we get there in the prequels as well. But it's by different means. It's not just trying starting to pres- Force Awakens by winding back to the clock is objectively, yeah. I think, a lazy move. Absolutely, and it's one of our biggest yeah. issues with the sequel trilogy is that you start Force Awakens and the Empire is back basically as the First Order, and it's huge. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. You have to change yeah. that narrative. There has to be a reason for it to exist in this world. Exactly, and like we've said, that's what they're trying to do with the Mandalorian and extra content and stuff like that. And yeah. It doesn't help that they made an effort to avoid any mention of politics or the galactic situation. So you really have no context for how it even got there. So in our politics episode, we mentioned, you know, a lot of their driving philosophy seems to be if the prequels did it, we'll avoid it in the sequels. Yeah. So they did a lot of politics in the prequels, which at the time people reacted really badly to. In retrospect, people seem to actually quite like. Yeah. Uh, The execution, really. Had some time to talk to a bit more casual Star Wars in the past few. While putting out a bunch of feelers. Mm. We're not casual. No, we're fans. fucking nerds. Yeah, we're, we're like, yeah, I think it's it's easy to accept the fact that we're just like just nerds. That's why yeah. this podcast exists. That's why we're making no. it. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> dude, I, you just did like the nerdiest fucking thing. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a lot of them still like will watch Phantom Menace specifically and think, "Fuck, this is kind of boring." This like, yeah, there's boring. a lot of politics. There's a bit too much yeah, politics. Yes, I totally I, agree. I, I, yeah. Yeah, if I may interject, I did a, I think it was last year, I did a big watch through of the prequels with my mates, and oh my god, it it really is, it's so dull and dry, and I, I have a friend who's also doing a rewrite of the prequels, and when I was speaking to him about the whole politics side of it, really what the issue is, is there's no actual dramatic tension to any of the political scenes, it's, it's just things pretty that much are happening. exposition, right? And yeah. It's like the trade routes are happening, and you never see how that actually impacts anyone in the story, it's yeah. just shit that really has no dramatic weight. Yeah. Whereas, like, like what I told him is that, well, you know, if you're going to go with the trade routes things, actually show the citizens of the of the galaxy and how they're affected by that, rather than just say it, you know. Politics is literally representing citizens. It's the exactly, representation yeah. of the people on a political scale. Yeah. So and show the citizens. Exactly. And you see that in the original trilogy with how everyone is treated, you know, the state of the universe, how everyone reacts. Yeah. And even though politics isn't as stated outright, it's there in the universe and how everything is happening personally i think the sweet spot is somewhere in between the prequels and the original trilogy somewhere where you're showing it enough for it to be interesting dramatically tense uh realistic to a certain extent mm. in a space fantasy but not so much that it's dull i think exactly it's, it's the execution that's the that's the goldilocks zone i think i think taking a bit more of a political eye in the first movie is important to that we get to mm. set that up and then we can just keep moving forward and we have that set up and we understand what the rules of this galaxy is we're still in critiques though so i just want to bring it back to that <laughs> uh no you, you guys are fine Obviously, they they failed with what you know we kind of would consider to be lending that Goldilocks zone of politics by just going so far down the other direction of just not including it at all. So it leads us to a bunch of questions: Where do they get their resources? What is their purpose, and why? Like, what are they actually trying to achieve? What does Supreme Leader Snoke want to achieve? Does it have anything to do with Palpatine? That kind of question. Mm. And it's presented very much as just galactic control. Exactly. Although begs the question: Like, do you not already have galactic control? Yeah. I guess not, but. You, we don't really get to see the New Republic, so we we sort of just infer that the Resistance is the only thing left, and that they've got barely anything to begin with. So we mm. kind of think that they already have galactic control. Yeah, so it's exactly. Weird. It's, it's hard to infer exactly what they're going for and what they already have. Yeah, they're just a force. They're just a big force that flies around. And let's go even a step further than that. Let's look at Mandalorian season three and where they what it's like the Shadow Collective they call themselves with Moff Gideon on this council. Yeah, right. And mm. Domhnall Gleeson. No, <laughs> no, not Domhnall. Uh, what's his actual name? Hux's dad. Hux's dad. I can't yeah. remember his first um, name, but Hux's dad is yeah. in on this council and he's leading up Operation Necromancer. And we know that in the extended canon, Hux, General uh, Young Hux, Armitage Hux, that's yeah. it. 
he conspires with Captain Phasma to kill his dad and take yeah. over. And that's why he's such a young general leading this massive mm. army. So we know all of that. We know some of the the context. How do we get from Mando season three when there's 10 dudes in a room to 20 years after that, less than 20 years, a huge, massive army? How do you even Because they got possibly... a bunch of starships flying around the galaxy. Where do they, they build them? Where kidnap do they children. get them from? Do they, they have old ships? Do they, they kidnap kids, apparently? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what something. That's an idea. That's something we're, we're never we're explore doing, it. Though. But they yeah. never... Oh, yeah. So they canonically kidnap kids, but they never explore where mm. they get those kids from or yeah. like where... Never, <laughs> like, you never are. see that in Finn's story. He never like questions like... Where were you born, dude? And... Like... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So all of these like endless questions of what is the First Order? Where does it come from? And why does it exist? And to g- break it down to bare bones and like go the complete opposite direction and have no political side to it whilst as well doing no prior world building to what your galaxy looks like beforehand leads to this overall just like there's nothing it doesn't feel like a real place yeah even in the sense that like the original trilogy to arguably doesn't feel like this real place sort of yeah it takes that and just like it just accentuates that to the max Mm. there's some very cool lore about why they're talking about the trade routes in phantom menace and then how Qui-Gon initially get, like, why Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are starting on that trade federation ship that's occupying Naboo at the start of the movie. Yeah, there's a book, um, right? Uh, Master and Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, just before Phantom Menace. Yeah, and it's all about, like, Qui-Gon's, like, secret investigation. Like, mm. he's, like, a hairdrop away from figuring out that Palpatine is actually mm. Sidious. And then he fucking yeah. dies at the and end of the movie. Then he yeah. gets murked. Oh so God, it's, like, yeah. Jewel of the Fates, literally Jewel of the Fates. Like, yeah. the whole universe could have gone so much differently if Qui-Gon had survived. This is a bit of a Tangent, but oh, go for it. Um, my thought is, yeah, on that note about Finn's parents and all that, I'm just thinking now with the sequel trilogies as they are, why is it that Ray has the subplot about who her parents are and not Finn, the guy taken from his parents? Look, man. Look. <laughs> we can ask questions all day. But, see this? Yeah. See this here? This is a mystery. Box. I think uh, it's. Uh, I think it's interesting to like even ask the question and <laughs> completely away from the first order, but it's kind of because it's Finn. But like, what does family mean to Finn? What does mm. what is family? What does family in his eyes? What does what does that word represent? To I him? mean, you know, yeah. obviously we did a Finn episode, but I like I'd say like his squad, you know, like his yeah. team, yeah. Because if you're raised, you know, with no family, no parents, and it's just exactly a yeah. hollow vid of Palpatine telling you how to be a soldier, they're like Halo spotted. Yeah. yeah, they're like Halo spotted. So they grow yeah. up with their like their yeah. team and their crew, and they're like their captain is like, yeah. their father figure. That's I guess. the thing. Or their though, figure. Like that brings us to another thing. Like with the first daughter. It doesn't have to be that the leaders need something to fight for, but why is everyone in the lower ranks fighting for the First Order? Yeah. What's motivating them? Yeah. You know, we, we want to show that. We want to yeah. show what the boots on the ground soldier, their life and their thoughts are like yeah. through Finn. What do they believe? Uh, we also want to show what, you know, the perspective of their general mm. would be, their general Captain yeah. Phasma, what her driving force is. Because so. even though the Empire is full of assholes, yeah. all of Nazis. them seem... Yeah, Nazis. They yeah. all seem to think that what they're doing is... For the exactly, the and no one, and no one ever is the villain of their own story. You exactly. are always the hero of your own story. So why have these people been convinced that yeah. they're the hero of this? Like story? I think one of my favorite moments in expanded Star Wars is uh, it's a speech Thrawn gives where he's yeah. questioned about his like like why he supports the Empire. Mm. He talks all about security and like the fact that yes, you know there are bad things that happen, but you know for every like slave or whatever, you have all these people who when they see a Tie Fighter fly above, that's the sound of safety and security. Yeah, exactly. It's such a powerful moment. And I think that really encapsulates why these people are so hardcore for the Empire. Yeah. Mm. And that's a great jumping off point to jump into Article 2, our fixed pitches, our ideas for what we would do in the rewrite. So who wants to jump in first for Phasma notes? Mm. Well, I I guess I have more so general notes and philosophies for how she should be approached. Uh, It dawned on me that we don't really have many militaristic villains Mm. in Star Wars. Like We we have a lot of, like, yes, higher-ups sith and all that okay and we have bounty hunters but we don't really have like a soldier villain the one comes and to mind is grand moff tarkin i guess that's true but he's more of an officer he's true. Not yeah, a yeah. soldier like I, what i'm thinking of is like someone like quaritch from avatar 2 like have you guys oh, seen avatar right 2? right yeah yeah, yeah yeah like that's it's sort of archetype we haven't i really feel like seen we it. have the closest we get to it actually is like grievous yeah yeah that's fair yeah, yeah that's um, pretty close but even then he dons like he's sort of in this middle ground between like the whole Jedi are yeah. and all that. He's also pretty yeah, yeah. goofy. I love this, yeah. but fuck, he's weird. He's, he's, he's such he's, a, like, uh, mustache. He is. Yeah. Yeah. That's how George described him and pitched him. Shit, well. I've never thought of yeah. that before, but he totally He is. literally yeah. does the... Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, yes. I'm that's... pursing my fingers together for the podcast. <laughs> Listen yeah. up. Because, oh, like, shit. Yeah, no, that that is how George pitched um, John yeah, cool. Grievous. Um, and I also think that is a missed out thing, because have you guys seen the um, original animated Clone Wars? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I know like a lot of people really yeah. love like how scary Grievous, Grievous is, and mm-hmm. I agree with that. I really yeah. like the direction they just went in the prequels because then we yeah. still get a serious side to him. That's true. Um, <laughs> just want more. Just I know. You just want more of that, like that crazy killer. scary. Yeah. To be fair, that show is just bloody cool. Oh yeah, so it's like. That that sugar's balls yeah. to the wall of Pick just like nice. Mace Wind, <laughs> yeah, Mace Windu dropping out of a spaceship into a ground full of like a million battle droids, no lightsaber punches. He yeah, does he force kung fu. Furious. Anyone the who droid. hasn't had the joy of seeing that clip of Mace Windu in the original animated series, please. Do it's beautiful. And look it up. It's gorgeous. Hilarious. So good. I grew up with that show. Most, I'm assuming most people probably have seen it, but yeah. for anyone who hasn't, you gotta watch it. You I didn't to. watch it growing up. I watched it like like later in my. Like my team. Yeah. How'd you guys show me? It's just like, it's wild. I wish I'd like watched it growing up. Cause yeah. like seeing that from like a child's perspective would have been like fucking insane. Mind blowing. So cool. I was <laughs> yeah. like, this is the best. Okay. <laughs> you did take anyway, us on a tangent. We digress. Call. We digress. Back <laughs> yeah. to it. Um, yes. Uh, we were talking about, yeah, soldier villain. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was thinking something along the lines of Quaritch where. Um, and that's the guy with the scar over his eye from the Avatar. Yeah, exactly. Blue people movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, the blue people movie. Got it, cool. yes. Just make uh, who sure. also becomes a blue Not, people. He does become yeah, a blue people. Yeah, spoilers. He's a blue people. he's a blue people in the second one. Yeah, spoilers uh, for spoilers the most here. watched movie of 2023. <laughs> Way of the blue people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even though Quaritch isn't super developed, I think that archetype is a really cool thing to sort of explore in the context of Star Wars. Because mm. as I was saying, we, having like a really grizzled, capable yeah, exactly, military yeah. leader. Yeah, he was very like drill sergeant. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, mm. Like. That's you know, cool. Like in a war movie. That's know, a that really cool direction to take fast. Exactly. Like that. And that's something that it seems like they were trying to go, but they didn't really. She ends up just coming it. off as cold and like exactly. very passive. Like, and it's oh, definitely. Yeah. Why'd you take off your helmet? It's definitely like a like the right direction, but like I, they, they might have gone a little too like soft with it. Exactly. Like they could have yes. gone harder. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And like another thing on that as well, like Phasma, like we see her a few times in Force Awakens and then at the end, she's just kind of. She's kind of treated as a joke, if I remember correctly. Yes, mm, very yeah, much. She's played like, as comic relief. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, okay, nothing's really happening there. It's not Boba Fett, cool then. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. But not. yeah, I mean, like, if we have that sort of soldier villain, then maybe like one of the really core values to her is that camaraderie. Even though she looks down on people, you know, maybe the reason she treats people so harshly is because she thinks it makes better soldiers and it makes better people. As like a uh, she's Fletcher, Fletcher from Flash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, sort of like that, right? That's sort of yeah, drill sergeant vibe, yeah. like Fletcher. Yeah, that's that's cool. I like that. Sandra, you got anything? I had a, like a similar esque kind of pitch but i wanted to like lean into the idea of her potentially being a main villain yeah. a bit more of a core villain yeah. of the of the first movie specifically okay because i'm very strong on the opinion that i think phasma should die in the first movie oh wow mm. okay um, i think we should have this villain she's in an embodiment of what how how we see like the true representation of what the first order is rather than it's like sort of false sheen that someone like Hux might like put over it. Ah, okay. So um, if you got like the political side of like, oh, we're a militia, we're trying to bring security and safety yeah. to the galaxy. Yeah. Outside of maybe the New Republic's, you know, specific jurisdiction. Mm. And so she's representing the like, no, we like beating the shit out of people. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Has that Jill Sergeant energy and it also means that we can just have that I don't want to say simple, but just like bare bones of your evil. Your evil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. I, I think there's value in that for if sure. I, uh, if I may add to that as well, I think that would actually be so good for Finn's arc as well. Because yeah. in a way, if she's dying in the first movie, she kind of serves as a, like a symbol for Finn's beliefs. Mm. And is he still like evil in, well, not evil, but is he still a first order sympathizer in the first? So, place? yeah, we, with Finn, we, you know, we talked about this in his episode. We definitely want to start with him being fully locked into the first yeah. order ideology. Yeah. And then her, his arc through the first film is stepping away from that. Yeah. It doesn't happen in one scene, it happens over the course of the whole movie. Yes. And if, you know, if his beliefs align heavily with hers and everything she's saying at the start, and then at the end, I don't know, he kills her or something, then that really serves yeah. as a big part of like his character development. Big like and letting yeah, go. Big like symbolic kill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Interesting. I was thinking about like first order armor is a conversation that I know Mello would want to have if we were here. Oh Mello. Too um, bad he's dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> rest in peace, Mello. He's not he's not actually <laughs> Sorry. dead. No. He's not coming back, guys. <laughs> no, actually Mello's at uh, a place called Lightning Ridge at the moment shooting a short mm. film with a bunch of friends of ours. Yeah, no. Um I'm sure he's having a fun time. That looks awesome. It does look awesome. But yeah, um it's like I said before, it feels like a very like Disney sort of revamp of like what stormtroopers look like. It yep. makes sense that they'd be similar, but it should be, I think, distinctly different, especially if they're trying to sell it to the New Republic as their form of security yep. in the galaxy. Mm. Potentially, or you know, just like 
different color scheme. Don't make them white. Yeah. For ah. This may be preempting the next segment, but my big idea I've had for the First Order pretty much since I first ever complained about the sequels yeah. is that really they should be, the, and I probably have mentioned this on the podcast, but they should be an Imperial twist on the Rebels in the original trilogy. Uh. A guerrilla fighting band but sort of like with the skin and philosophy of the Empire. Yeah. Right. So, That's something we've talked a lot about is, you know, having what percentage of balance of power yeah. is split mm. between the New Republic and the First Order. We've talked about, is it a 20-80 split with the Republic having a lot of military force? Is yeah. it a 50-50 split, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and how does about, that progress over the... And how yeah. does that change? How we change this kind of percentage of power yeah. and military strength. And also to go on the note of aesthetics of it as well, I think it would be really cool to see guerrilla fighting... Stormtroopers who are like dressed kind of like rebels but evil, you know. That's you know that is a pretty cool visual. Yeah, I do ah, like that. exactly. Okay, cool. You see the vision. Yeah, no, I see it. I see it. I just want to say you both suck. Uh, I have not had a chance to talk about Phasma. <laughs> <laughs> you guys jump right into the first one. I'm just no, no, there, like, go, oh, go on Phasma. We'll come back. I, I no, I'm sorry. I actually Four have like a lot of Phasma notes. So yeah. I gotta drag it back. Sorry. No, That's please. So here's my. I've got a couple notes for Phasma. So Phasma, I am picturing her as exactly like Thrawn. So the First Order rests on her strategic genius, and she's always 10 steps ahead. She was born and raised an Imperial Loyalist, raised directly by Palpatine's Skype bots, uh, to be the perfect strategist and military commander. She is fully indoctrinated. Fuck. So I'm in this, you know, just idea offshoot, and she's a strategy genius. The reason the First Order exists and it makes it logical in your head is because it's led by her, and she's the military leader. Right. In this version, Hux is not a part of the First Order at all. Phasma's greatest fear is that the Jedi will return, uh, who she has been raised to believe are a tyrannical order of space wizards who ruled the galaxy for a thousand years before the Empire was able to break free from their grasp. That is the story she's been presented with, the exact opposite of the truth. Phasma joins forces with Rey's mom, which is someone we've talked about in the Rey episode, some, a key villain that you know I'm interested in bringing into the story, who is a crime boss of the Outer Rim underworld. Finn and Poe are traveling with Rey, and so Phasma wants the first two, and Rey's mom wants Rey. So naturally, you know, this gives us a driving antagonistic force in the film with Phasma acting to propel Finn's character and Rey's mom propelling Rey. So Phasma will act as a direct foil to Finn uh, in this story and work with Rey's mom. Um, so the crime underworld is coming together with the First Order in this movie and they're kind of working to track down these three characters who are off gallivanting across the galaxy. So that was my idea for Phasma's character. So yeah, military genius, strategic genius. That's my thought. Any yeah. notes on that one? I think uh, a reason in my head that I can I kind of don't see Phasma being I, I see Phasma more as that general esque militia yeah like kind of boots on the ground boots on the yeah. ground kind of leader as and opposed to the throne standing on the, the bridge the throne looking majestically into the yeah. distance yeah um is because I imagine that she even if she is brought up by like Sidious Skype bots yeah stuff like that I still imagine a Sidious clone being that background leader. Being that the up. person with the vision, the person the with person, the, the yeah. grand goal, and he's you know operating maybe on the. the I really flagship. like the idea of being raised to hate Jedi specifically, yeah. and like this is working on the like this fear of Jedi coming back. So I wanted to tie it into like the core theme we've been working with so far. Yeah. This mm. idea that like every character in the first movie is divine, defined by their fears, and it makes mm. sense if you're terrified of the Jedi coming back, that puts you as the you know Phasma. In yeah. the place of her own main character. She's afraid of the Jedi and she's been told that they're evil. So she wants to make sure they stop coming back. And that's her key concern. And that makes yeah. her the main character and the hero in her eyes. Yeah, and we see that one. reflected a tiny bit in Finn as well. Yeah. Mm. It's Finn overcoming that. And Finn needs to overcome that because he's becoming friends with Rey. And then he sees Rey become a Jedi or a Force user. And he's like, yeah. oh, everything I thought I knew was wrong. Um, I think that's really strong. I, I imagine that Phasma is more working under the strategy of... A Palpatine clone. Okay, so you think Palpatine, a Palpatine clone, which is an idea we've talked about a lot, uh, would fit better in that place of the grand vision, kind of looking majestically into mm. hyperspace in the Thrawn shot. I'm just thinking of that one shot from uh, <laughs> yeah. Rebels. Yeah. As he's traveling through hyperspace, he's always doing that, uh, the, the majestic look. So, and then she's the boots on the ground general. She's the yeah. the military leader, the the, the boot camp kind of like. Exactly, drill sergeant. And I, maggots. Yeah. I see this, and this is going to go into Palpatine, so I apologize. No, it's, it's chill. Palpatine's um, a big part of the first order yeah. for us anyway. <laughs> yeah. I see this because Palpatine's whole thing of manipulation and twisting truths. Yes. Using that on Phasma mm. and then being able to sacrifice Phasma when the opportunity for a new apprentice 
arises. Mm. Ah. And that's where we get to introduce and induct Ben yes. to the first order. Yes. Mm. No, I really like that. At the like at the turn of the first movie going into the second movie. Interesting. Interesting. Because then that puts her in the exact same place that Maul was, mm. that uh Count Dooku was in that situation of, you know, Palpatine has all these apprentices and all these irons in the fire and the second one of them is too weak or they die, he replaces them. The second he sees a Skywalker, he's like, yeah, get out of here. I love them Skywalkers. Give them to me. Give me those Skywalkers. Yeah, no, he does that every time. Yeah, Yeah. no, that that works fantastic. Mm. I really like that actually, yeah. That's some, yeah, really some cool. good stuff. Thank you for those notes. That's good. So I've got, uh, that I think it was pretty much all of my Phasma stuff. Um, so if we want to jump into the first order, we can. So I, we threw this idea out ages ago. Like this is before I went to Canada and I had it brewing in my head when I was in Canada and I, there was this episode, I pre-recorded a segment for this episode that might've been recorded whilst I was in Canada. It just didn't end up happening. And I went back and I, I found this one interesting pitch idea that I had. Uh, and it was when we were talking about, because we're talking about Hux. I, I don't imagine Hux being a part of the First Order, okay. but I see him being also manipulated by Palpatine. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. and bring the First Order into into government as a way of protecting uh, the galaxy from the, the crime So he's factions. a senator who's not in the First Order, but he is sympathetic to yeah. the First Order's cause and their like, kind of militia-style tactics. And he sees the benefit of seeing them as an answer and a call to stopping mm. the crime factions, the leading sort of power in the galaxy in terms of yes. like, the criminal underworld. It's almost like how the resistance is framed in the expanded universe for the official sequels, how they're similar. Yeah. And by doing so, I had this idea, uh, an idea that was thrown around. I'm not sure if it was outside of episodes or it was in episodes of the first order armoring the crime factions. Maybe this is an idea. I just came up with in my head as well. Maybe it never was actually spoken. The first order giving weapons and supplies to the crime factions as a then strategy, like under like an mm. alias, like let's say Cypher Diaz. This is something we've d- thrown out. And they're before, like, yeah. we give you power uh, under like a completely different alias, not the first order. Okay. And then they come in as the first order and they justify the fact that they're using all- extreme yeah. violence yeah. against these well-armed, you know, crime factions. C- crime yeah. factions. And that's how they get to occupy planets. Yes. Because they're like, oh, this this is a planet that's full of crime. We have to occupy this planet now. Yeah. The example there we use was uh, for uh, the Middle East and what the CIA did, oh, like God. supplying them with weapons in the yeah. Middle East so that they could go in and invade, which I is something that happened. Yeah. We're not being liberals. Well, yeah, I, I am. There's a very literal yeah. real world tie-in yes. as well yeah. as just, I think it's a, it's a good message, a, a good way of showing corruption of power yeah. as mm. well. In my pitch, I had this tie into how the First Order ends up on Takadana, but this is when we were still talking about Han possibly running a bar for a criminal-esque underworld. Okay. And they use the fact that the criminal-esque underworld is there as a reason to go over to the planet. Right. When their real reason to go over to the planet is to get Finn, to get Poe, to get the spy who has the information. Okay. That's an interesting cover. That's that's something I feel like could be like a a well-placed line drop. Yeah. Like, why are you there? This, this. It's like, oh shit, that was set up earlier. Yeah, <laughs> nailed exactly. it. Yeah, no, I can see that working. As I can, like a, as a motivator. I can see like Hux using that as an argument, and I think that's a good way of tying in like our senator story. To yeah, our, yeah. No, I like that. Uh story of the main trio. A lot of good stuff there. Cole, you want to jump in with anything? Uh, nothing really to add. I was just thinking about the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just want to clarify what happened with the CIA in the oh, Middle let's East. Hear it. Yeah, is that um when they were fighting against the uh, governments and stuff like that, they would arm the terrorists who would then be freedom fighters who would fight on their side. And it just so happens that consequences happen. And once the CIA leaves and the military leaves, those now armed rebel forces then get into power. So it was more so, oh, uh, my actions had consequences and now I got to deal with that. Which then ended up leading to the 9-11 attacks, right? Uh, Yes, because the um, the Taliban. Yeah, because they were well-armed freedom fighters who they kind of... Exactly, and at the end of, uh, I think it's... um, Rambo Two, you had there's this little tag at the end. Oh, like, classic historical yeah, yeah. Um, film. Rambo we'd like II. to get, we'd like to give our thanks to the uh, brave Mujahideen fighters of uh, Iraq or something mm. like that. Right. Yeah. So they're thanking the group that later on became Al Qaeda. That is so, so fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know that about Rambo Two. Yeah. It's, Fun fact. It's, it's, uh, it might have been Rambo Three, but um, right, it's okay. one of them. I got a them. nickname for you, Cole. It's Cole yeah. Taliban. Yeah, Taliban. Freedom Rambo. fighter. Freedom yeah. fighters, much better. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. That was that was a rowdy joke. Anyway. Uh, sorry. sorry. Taliban call. <laughs> that's, that's a really, really interesting fun fact. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. That's awesome. 
full of them. I'm going to jump into another note. Uh, the First Order is not a political faction or involved in the Senate whatsoever. Yeah. The notion that a loyalist sect of Imperial troops is still operating is a conspiracy theory at best. So that's kind of how it's I treated like maybe in the Senate. Yeah. Is it like, oh, what about you know, reports from the Outer Rim? And it's like, yeah. that's nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people are yeah. treating it maybe yeah. as a conspiracy. That's just one idea. Um, in my current treatment, I have Hux dying in the first movie at the end. Uh, and he is totally separate to the First Order. This means that Phasma is the face of the First Order. So we've already covered some of that. Hux dying is like a, a big mm. character moment, I think. Uh, the First Order, as Phasma understands it, has one objective. Build an army big enough to dismantle the New Republic. This is another just random idea. This is her singular goal as a military leader, and she's willing to do literally anything to achieve it. This includes kidnapping children on the lawless outer rim to bolster the ranks. This is under the vision and guidance of a clone version of Palpatine who is still running the show. I think definitely kidnapping the children. Like, uh, we've talked about it already yeah. a bit. I think it's an excellent tie into mm. Finn's character and how we get to look at Finn. Yeah. Raised. Kidnapping children, brainwashing them, raising them to be soldiers. What was this about taking over? Yeah, I just wrote this down, like, half asleep last night. Uh, yeah, the one objective is to build an army big enough to dismantle the New Republic. So that's their goal. That's why they're a small force at the moment. They're, like, building and recruiting. I like the... Expand. Yeah, well, it, it, it's very similar-esque to Caesar taking over the Roman Republic and turning it into an empire in okay. the sense of... They have all the resources there. They have the infrastructure. Yeah, Let's just go in and Palpatine take over Palpatine would be in there from he's within. He's in there already. He's in there from within, in the First Order, and maybe pulling strings on Hux as in well. In the Senate, yeah. And he's just waiting, and he's he's taking his time as he does until he can just like cross that Rubicon, yeah. take over, take that power take that power back. Um, I think it's like a, another interesting way of looking at Palpatine's manipulation. And that's that's their ultimate goal is, you know, to... No. Damn it, I know. That's their ultimate goal is to take over the Republic, to dismantle it and, and bring it back to what the Empire was 20 years ago because... And Phasma is driven to that because she is afraid of the Jedi. She thinks that they are mm. evil and that mystery and that deception that she's had, you know, ingrained into her brain has convinced her that that's the case and that's what's going to happen if she doesn't do something to stop it. That makes yeah. her the hero in her own eyes. I've got a couple more notes, but Cole, do you want to jump in with something? Well, I just, I was just wondering, you know, do you, after like the Empire fell, obviously, and all that, and things came out about Darth Vader, do you think that the general public, like they wouldn't know about the Sith, so do they just think Darth Vader was a Jedi? I think maybe they'd think that Darth Vader didn't have powers mm. and that Palpatine didn't have powers. Okay, but yeah. Luke Skywalker did. Yeah. And he's their boogeyman. He's their okay, kind of yeah, like big mysterious figure who they are like, holy shit. Priority one, dismantle New Republic. Mm. Priority two, find Luke and kill him and yeah. all of his Jedi little, you know, missionary dudes. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Vader was seen as like a general, very much similar. And this is why I was very for also making like our key villain more leaning into Phasma is because I feel like in the original trilogy, even though you only get that seven minutes of Vader, I feel like Phasma would be better as that, that Vader-esque character rather than a Boba Fett, where it's just like this very dominating force. You get what it is. It's evil. I think Vader is nothing but evil in the first movie. And you can go back and rewatch the first movies with the understanding that there's something there. But I think that's more to the credit of the writing of the movies that come afterwards and yeah. the prequels. Because in the first movie, he's depicted as... He gets seven minutes of screen time and he's imposing evil. Yeah. yeah. And then in Empire Strikes Back that's and Return of the Jedi, they delve way more into who we he is. We have to break and... this character down. Yeah. 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 In the first movie, he doesn't really have a whole lot to do. So you want, you want to see more of that from Phasma. I think it's intimidating. And I don't think you have to do exactly what Vader does. We're already talking about her being a bit more of a boots on the ground kind of character. Yeah. Same same screen time, just different style. That same in imagery. Um, so you're seeing Vader, you're seeing, sorry, Phasma is more of a Vader character. I'm seeing Phasma as more of a Grand Moff Tarkin character where she is, lots of dialogue, she is driving the plot forward. Moff, Grand Moff Tarkin is driving the story forward mm. from the antagonistic sense. He is the direct antagonistic force for Leia in the scene where they destroy Alderaan. Yeah. He's having the drive. So I see Phasma more as... The Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, in that sense of like driving the story forward, making it decisions that impact the plot, right. as opposed mm. to Vader, who doesn't really do that much. Mm. Not trying to like okay. disagree with you or tell you you're wrong or anything. That's where I'm coming from, but it's interesting to hear where you're coming from as well. Yeah, I guess then I'm sort of seeing it as like a a fusion of the two. A fusion. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I can see that. so less yeah. screen time, but driving the story. Yeah, interesting. Because she's still, I guess, being the head of the First Order would still be making calls. Like if yeah. Finn makes a spy call out, it would be her decision to then go occupy that thing yeah but then i'd love to like interlace that obviously with oh there's a reason the first order has to be there politically so it doesn't throw the new empire the new empire the new republic off the off the scent of like oh these guys are trying to help us so they're trying to do that and trying to like convince the senate that, that they're, they're actually a good force and then using subterfuge to mm. make themselves look better you know compared to that crime world yes 
that's really interesting. I, I really love exploring that place. I also really love this idea of exploring the idea that the Palpatine clones are everywhere. I want to put them in three places in mm. my in my treatment. I want to put them on Takodana. Mm, yeah, that's the person who clues in the First Order because he's there at the outpost. Oh, I thought we were gonna have Finn do that. Uh, oh yeah, well Finn can do that as well as like his the, yeah. That's a sellout. Yeah, Finn sells him out. Okay, there's so much to play with there. Yeah. But then the <laughs> other one, he's on the ship with Phasma, and then the other one, he is in the Senate manipulating Hux from the shadows. Mm. And I want it to be honestly like something like Hux finds a letter on his desk, and then Palpatine's put it there. Maybe he hasn't even sent anything to Hux, but he's put the letter there, and it's like, oh, all this evidence about Leia and like her grandfather is Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's Palpatine's kind of insidious influence. And influence. would you want to show it? in the first movie or would you want to show it in maybe the second movie i'm imagining a very cool scene where we go from one scene where this evil from the shadows is talking to maybe hux or maybe somebody else or ben or ben and then we interlace that with another scene where another clone holy walk, shit walks out to go talk to hux or ben holy and it's shit. like and starts like trying to manipulate him as well. Like he's doing a double manipulation at I the same time. I love that. I would actually love to do that in the first movie because yeah. that's a great way to yeah. reveal. Yeah, I th think it's a very clones. cool reveal. That's an awesome reveal. How, I would love to do that in the first movie. How many clones are there? Oh, good question. I want there to be a lot because... My, yeah. you go. My headspace is like, you can't get rid of them. The number is... Un the, the number is the a number question mark. The number is a question mark, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because yeah. they're well hidden and you don't know where to find them and there's, they just keep coming. If you were to kill one, you'd just show up. I yeah. see, yeah. You can't... You can't kill what yeah. is un unkillable. He's truly mastered death. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, he's he mastered hasn't death, mastered but he doesn't death. have the force. And that's yeah. in the way that yeah. he wants to master. So that's what he's going for ultimately is he wants yeah. to bring himself back and have the force. If he succeeds yeah. or not is a big question mark we still have. And I don't think, you know, we maybe have the time for that today. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I think that's another Palpatine episode in itself. Just a quick note on the, on the clones though. There's another scene that we've had talked about a lot is the idea that, you know, Ben becoming Kylo Ren in that journey of him going to the dark side. I want his first moment of, you know, surrendering and doing something truly evil to be killing a Palpatine clone. And then another one comes right out immediately. Mm. Because you get that, it's like yeah. there's almost no consequences for Palpatine, but a huge amount of consequence for Kylo yeah. Ren and mm. Ben and his character journey. I've oh, always yeah. been a big fan of that. It, it's a huge, it's yeah. huge kill, maybe his first kill. Yeah, that's what I like, yeah. First but, kill. And it means yeah. nothing. It means nothing to yeah. Palpatine. It means yeah. nothing, like, overall, except to just himself. Yeah. I, have mm. a, I have questions about the Palpatine clones. Go for it. Um, oh, I had one. Oh, my God, I forgot it. I think, yeah, my main question is, so are they all sort of independent acting entities or are they like they not are, a hive mind? But... Not necessarily hive mind. We imagine them to be similarly indoctrinated into the First yeah. Order through holovids created by Palpatine. Okay, yeah. Similar to um, Operation Cinder in Battlefront yeah. 2. You know, those yeah, big yeah. Like, floating droids that have Palpatine's face. Yeah. It's like, here's your instructions. Do this. Is it kill. like yeah. the twins Invincible? Twins and Invincible. The, the clones in Invincible where they're like, you're the clone. I can't remember this character in Invincible. You, you yeah, guys well, don't remember those two blue Invincible. guys? But the two blue guys? The two blue guys, they clone themselves, and when one dies... Oh, that... Yeah, yeah. no, I remember these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, 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 like, they work harmoniously mm. more than, like, they're kind of, like, independent from each other. Yeah. Because, okay. like, I feel like they'd all end up having the same goal, but then... Yeah, but each what one happens, thinks they're the real one, right? Yeah, but yeah. then what happens when one wants all the power? Exactly, oh, so yeah. there's the potential for one of them to get the Force. Yeah, dude... I yeah, so no, none of these none clones of have yeah, the force. That makes so much sense. None yeah. of them. Okay, yeah. Because that's not something we want to do. We don't want the ability for clones to have the force. Ever. Yeah. We want there to be some specific thing that's very difficult to achieve. That's the a big plot device kind yeah. of thing. I'm just not even sure force. if the force is what he wants back. Okay. Yeah. Or it's just um, the power, right? Or if it's just the power to and the continuation universe. of the Sith. That's another yeah. big debate that we've had as well yeah. on the show of whether he wants to have the Force and bring back the death and yeah. do the Palpatine and Rise of Skywalker thing. Yeah. Or if it's just to continue the Sith and the Empire in general and to have control over the galaxy and have him be the leader of it, which still works. Yeah, because I, I know we're getting a little bit off track and into Palpatine, but it does seem like they would all, yeah, sort of like yeah, work harmoniously, be independent and all that. But, but then, then there'd be a point way, where exactly, they'd be like, yeah, I want to be the one be in charge. There'd be like a Kang moment. Yes, yeah. exactly. Or like, uh, it's almost like the Council of Ricks, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to be... Oh, God. <laughs> nah, dude, like, Council yeah. of Ricks slaps. Rick and Morty's a good show. It does. I just find it so funny that all the Rick and Morty writers are now writing Marvel and stuff, and we're seeing Council of Ricks and like everything now. I didn't know the writers yeah. from Rick and Morty were going on to Marvel. Oh yeah, they did so much like um, Multiverse Madness. If they work in like Kang Dynasty, that Ant Man would probably work. That'd yeah. be awesome. There you go. I think Jeff Loveness was going to be. This is a massive tangent, but I think Jeff Loveness was going to be writing. Um, I think it was one of the Secret Wars films. 
He what? got wild. He got fired because it turns out he was the big Marvel leaker. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's theories that he may have been one of the admins on uh, Marvel Studio spoilers, the Reddit. Whoa. So yeah, everyone was, the secret was source. everyone was wondering like, where are all these leaks coming from? Because they were high profile Marvel leaks. Yeah. And it turns out it was Jeff. Well, more fun facts with Cole yeah, bringing anyway, the heat today. I, I Sounds know, like brilliant. Jeff was writing emails to Reddit before he was actually sending them to Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like things would like. Decisions would be made and they'd be immediately out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, whole scripts would get leaked. And Dude, stuff. that's oh like fucking God. crazy. Okay, I just want to talk quickly about a situation I've been in recently. Yeah. Because, you know, Sandra, you're working on a film set in Australia. We've got other friends working on film sets. We've got one friend, and I'm not going to be specific about this, who's yeah. working on a on a pretty big uh, American Hollywood movie right now in Australia. And she's been sending me photos of the scenes from the movie and like a bunch of other stuff. And I've got like, and I just keep making this joke. I'm like, dude, I could sell this. Like I could sell these photos. It's just a, it's just a leak. It. It's just a really cool position to be in as someone who, you know, we're all just fresh yeah. out of university and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's very cool. That we've got friends who are in like such cool places. You gotta show me these scripts. Oh yeah. I gotta show you all the yeah. stuff. I gotta show you. All the, it's really cool. Sorry. I can't show you dear listeners, but uh, we can talk about that. Maybe, maybe if you upgrade your Patreon, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can show you on Patreon if yeah, you want to pay Patreon, money. Yeah. Okay. Super long tangent. Let's get yes. back to it. Um, um, wait, wait, wait. Palpatine. I actually have no idea. Palpatine clones. Which is any other Palpatine clones? Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, questions that you have. Uh, well, I guess yeah. That was the main one because I mean, like another thing is I feel like like one one criticism I will levy against you guys. Go for it. Is if you have all these Palpatine clones, yes, it does sort of make the concept of Palpatine this immutable, like very powerful thing, but it also kind of weakens Palpatine on an individual level. Okay. Mm. Um, you get to you kind of dilute his character and exactly, in the which story is a thing that happens when you inevitably make clones and when yeah. you do multiverse stuff as well, that becomes an issue. It does yeah. make it hard um, to have stakes if it's yes. just infinite clones you uh, can't get rid of. I think it is really cool though that it's showcasing that Palpatine's real power doesn't come from the Force, but it's his intellect. Ability to manipulate. Exactly, which yeah. has always been. Like, and we saw that showcased such, in such an incredible way in the prequels. Yeah. For the most part, some of the story is a bit like a, huh, what's his plan exactly? Yeah. But for the most part, you see Till the did character. That awesome barrel roll and he stabbed seven yeah. Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I like his character in the prequels. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Some of the writing, not the best, we but, see that the, but the character work is in the performance. Well. But we, we see this in the originals as well. It's mostly manipulation. Exactly. It doesn't use force yeah. lightning. He uses the lightning at the very end, yeah. Yeah. For the most part, he's it's mind fuckery. Yeah, and also I I sent you I sent uh, a group chat you me and Mello were in uh, like last week because I had a uh, I had like this mind blowing um, epiphany epiphany about the Bothan spies. Okay, I don't know if I saw this. No, we, we all reacted to it. Did we? Because I was like, oh my god, those Bothans, they died for nothing. Oh yeah, the Bothans, no, we were talking about the Bothan spies. So they yeah. deliver the info in the start of the Return of the Jedi. Oh, not the start, but like when they're planning, it's like many Bothans died for yeah. this information. Yeah, but it's information mission. that he leaked intentionally. Yeah, the Palpatine leaked intentionally so that he could lure them into a trap. Yeah, and so yeah, those Bothans kind of. It was fake in- information that the shields on the Death Star didn't work when truly the Death Star was fully operational. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he leaks this to the to those Bothan spies. All those Bothan spies get. Get killed. Oh my god. So it's like he's playing 40 chess. He's truly oh, yeah. like a master. He's of a great this, like know? mastermind, like puppet master. And the one thing he didn't plan for is the Ewoks. And that's the why Ewoks. True. Those yeah. teddy bears. Just <laughs> why uh, the we one with the back. teddy bears. Why we gotta bring Ewoks back because it's the only thing that can truly kill Palpatine. Yeah. Where, where are uh, Ewok villains? Uh, yeah, Cole, I'm gonna just go to the next question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting wildly off yeah, track. Let's, this go, let's go. Next let's... question. Alrighty, alrighty. Um, I think that's actually everything I wanted to cover first order wise. The only other note I've got is what does Mello have to say about all this? Do you have any info from Mello that you can share with us, Sandro? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've heard it, the folks. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> no, I, I think um, Mello would probably want to get more into like the political side of it. There's so much that relationship he's dive into, yeah. with the yeah. First Order works with Hux. So what does Hux know about the First Order? Mm. And what does the First Order gain from Hux? We know what the First Order gains from Hux. It's mm. sort of their in into the New Republic. Yeah. And getting that funding and getting that more like militarized structure. But what does... How much of the First Order's true intentions does Hux know? How okay. Much is he well, we've got a little bit of time, so let's riff on that for a bit. So what... Okay. What does the First Order gain by revealing itself to the galaxy? Does yeah. like... Is Hux sympathetic to them? Or are they, like I said earlier... A conspiracy theory. The idea of them existing yeah. is ridiculous as a notion to everyone else. Like, let's start with, you know, column A right. is they know, column B is they don't. Let's start with column A. Uh, wait, what do you mean by that? So column A is uh, the the Senate knows about the First Order. Okay. What does that add to our story? How does that make it better? Well, I mean, one thing I'm thinking of, and I think this does relate to this, I, I think 
the reason the First Order would like come out yeah. um, and make themselves visible is if public sentiment is starting to like get to a point where people might choose the First Order. They over. don't like the New Republic has been exactly. demilitarized. They're weak yeah. and vulnerable to the exactly. crime and, on there. Oh, wow, know. there's this magical organization. There's this that's faction that started up that has weapons and, and exactly, military power. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Making I, them sympathetic to the cause. Exactly, and what it seems to be in the case of the story in the world is that this time where they've been in the shadows, it's all these small operations to get public sentiment to their side. You know? Yeah. And I think that's really where the crux of just the, the galaxy and the political climate will come from. Yeah. No, I'm for sure there. I think in ancient history, Caesar, when he was a dictator, <laughs> yeah. when he was voted yeah. in to be a dictator, when the Republic was still happening, he was seen as someone who was saving them at the time. Because mm. it's a wartime decision. It's mm. like, oh, it's, you know, a war. it's a time of war. Have a dictator so that we can make instant political decisions. Which yeah. is kind of already what we got. I mean, we though. have that with Pal- Palpatine in the prequels. I think sentiment towards, though, the, the First Order as a whole, I agree, is their way in yeah and hux like promoting it he's still trying to fight for what the demilitarization like is that mm. not still a thing uh, or does sure. he want to militarize the new republic i think that's where we landed that leia wants to maintain demilitarization and hux wants militarization right that's mm. kind of the character dynamic we chose at the end of the leia episode so if we're going to riff off from that, you know, he wants it to be militarized. He believes in the New Republic, but he believes we also need a military to defend the yeah. Republic. Still yeah. fits. So I feel like he probably wouldn't know about how zealous Phasma is. Yeah. And how crazy, like, anti-Jedi they are. Yeah. He probably doesn't know the extent of the child abduction and grooming and... Uh, Indoctrination. Indoctrination. That's the mm. word I'm looking for. Uh, he probably hears the spin that like they're trying to sell of like, oh, we're indoctrinating these children that have no home. Yeah. No, um, we're like fostering these children. Fostering and these giving children. them, you know, a purpose <laughs> and a safe home and food and like raising them. But yes, they're being soldiers, but it's, you know, it's yeah, for a good yeah. cause. So at the same time, we have this public spin and then what they actually are. And we get to see what they actually are through Phasma. And I think that's why I really want to see like Phasma as like our main villain in the first movie i've been thinking a lot about the raised mom thing and i i i'm interested to see how we could weave her in because i'm a bit more open to weaving her in but i don't see her as the main big bad villain i see what you mean i'm honestly i've been you know taking what we've talked about here and trying to figure out a way it makes the relationship between the first order and the crime underworld very complicated are they putting weapons cia style into the crime world so that they can create a bigger flame to try and put out that flame kind of thing is that their strat it seems like they honestly have multiple strategies that we've kind of tossed out that they could be doing they're stealing kids from the outer rim they're attacking the outer rim they're trying to defend against the outer rim for the new republic Mm. so yeah that's why I'm like sort of not sure on how they partner up exactly and that's what I'm thinking you know with the underworld plot wise that ties things together for my treatment plot but story wise themes wise it doesn't quite work so i'm right. trying to iron that out and i'll be working on that this week i imagine mm. but yeah no there's a lot of questions there. there's a lot of uh, potential ideas so that's column a column b is no one knows about the first order it's kind of like a conspiracy theory where how would that potentially add to the story for us how would that make things easier make things more difficult for me that saves mm. my ass in the treatment <laughs> that makes it a lot easier for them to kind of conduct business on the outer rim with no ramifications they can kind of act with. I, I feel like it feels like a backstep. It feels closer to where we were in the prequels. It's it seems like an easy way to just have this big power and not and not show it. And I know that we're gonna show it as like small. Yes. But if we're ramping up to them being a big power, I think they have to be prevalent within the larger scale of the galaxy. Okay. I also think the first order is a good way of tying our plots together, specifically our A plot, Ray and the trio, and our plot with Leia. And yeah. what's happening in the Senate, which is probably sounds like, oh, it seems more convenient for writing. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but also it seems like if we just have this power that's like kind of just a worrisome word, wouldn't that's kind of happening in the background? Wouldn't it just be similar-esque to all of the crime factions that are currently happening? And I don't see how this mm. helps Hux push for his militarization mm. of ah, the New Republic. You've got to stop knocking your Sorry. Microphone. Good Lord. I'm oh. very handsy. I'm very, <laughs> yeah. like... Hand, You're handsy? Oh, my goodness. Hand hand motion. Get your hands away from me. I- <laughs> um, okay. So, okay, I think I'm going to try and... Uh, this, is, this is nebulous, but I think I've got something. Okay, for us, the First Order is a representation of Nazis, right? Yeah. Uh, it always has been. The Empire is Nazis. The First Order is Nazis. And, you know, all sorts of different negative military influences that have been brought to Star Wars from, you know, George Lucas's writing, everyone's writing. 
So for us, what we're drawing inspiration from is a lot of what we see in the United States with uh, what is very clearly to everyone outside of it, Nazi-style propaganda and indoctrination. It's hating uh, trans people and queer people, uh, calling them you know groomers and that kind of thing, even though there is zero evidence to back that up. And I will fight anyone on that, I swear to God. <laughs> Uh, and then, so that's, you know, that's what the Nazis did in Nazi Germany. And they started with the queer community and then they worked towards the Jews. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, exactly what's happening in the United States right now. And it's terrifying yeah. for anyone who's on TikTok as much as I am. <laughs> and that's what I'm bringing to this writing when it comes to mm. the First Order. So how can we, and I think it works if the First Order is sort of known about, if people are like, hey, this loyalist imperial faction is operating uh, on the outer rim. And some of us like that. And Leia sees that and she's like, no fucking way, Nazis are back. So for me, it's trying to figure out how to tie that into the story and make it work with what we've had so well, far. The way I see it is usually like a lot of people when they see like fascism rise, they always point to the organizations themselves. But I think what really happens is the sentiment in the public grows first. Yeah. Mm. And that's why I think that the First Order should be um, not known about okay. at first. And then, as I was saying earlier, they unveil themselves right. when the sentiment turns. Right. Because that's sort of what happens in history. You know, people, they start to crave something that's missing. And I mean, like, you know, you'll hear this a lot from fascists. But... I might have been interpreting this the wrong way. When you say not known about, how do, do you mean like their true intentions or like the organization as a whole? I is think not Column B conspiracy theory thing. Yeah, right? yeah, where they're like, like they're not known as a real organization. Like no one knows about them. Maybe it's like a conspiracy theory. There's like yeah. whispers of it, but people yeah. are like, that's not But they're not happening. like okay, a public, okay. there's no public face to Continue it. Continue your thought, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe there's even the theories, you know, that, oh, you know, politicians, they're being influenced by this group. And it sounds batshit insane. And yeah. All that. But yeah, yeah. I digress. Um, but yeah, I think a big part of it, you know, is I don't think people in the galaxy would start to turn to fascism just because, oh, you know, there's a magical fascist organization. They seem cool. I think what really happens, even in history and in the real world, is when people start to feel fear, then people come up and capitalize on that. Because a lot of the times with these reactionary politicians and all that, a lot of them don't actually believe what they're saying. And I mean, like, even you can look at, like, someone like Donald Trump, right? And, you know, 10 years ago, he was actually quite... He was a Democrat, pro- dude. Yeah, well, he was a Democrat. I watched the clip the other day of him yeah. straight up like, oh, this uh, someone who's running for yeah, Miss, Miss America. Universe. Miss Universe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, this transgender woman. No, yeah, she's a woman. Exactly, yeah. And that was and, before he was ever running for president. Yeah. And that's the thing, and uh, I don't want to get on like a soapbox about Trump or anything like that. I do. Um, nice. No, <laughs> you go. It's like whatever's been said, people have said, I can't really add anything to exactly. it. Exactly. It's like, I think what's evil about politicians like that is they don't actually necessarily hate queer people, but they're willing to throw down any value and stuff for what people are actually going to support them for. For attention, and because it's so exactly. valuable. Attention is so valuable. Exactly, today. and say what you will about Trump, but in the 2016 election, what he was very good at against other Republican politicians is that he was a populist who knew what people wanted. Dude, no one had and rallies like Trump. Exactly. No, no one. one. They, and he, he made rallies a popular yeah. thing to do. Exactly. So. And one of the interesting things as well uh, is a lot of the things he was saying, like there, there were kind of like right-wing twists on a lot of the things Bernie Sanders was saying because yeah. it was rooted in the same issues that were coming up. They know Americans and, you know, most people in the modern world are struggling with, yeah, you know, day-to-day living costs, healthcare and stuff. So he was just spinning the ideas in exactly. like a, a right-wing focus. And that happens with any extreme person throughout history. So I think in the context of Star Wars in this rewrite, I think, yeah, what needs to happen is that these sentiments need to grow in the public. The public the, is afraid exactly. of the crime underworld. The New Republic isn't answering the The New Republic issues. has no military to exactly, answer the Exactly, yeah. They, the they can't world. deal with any of the issues that people actually feel. And... Even though there are right solutions that would probably deal with this, the New Republic, they think it's too extreme, maybe. Okay. Maybe it's like too left, you know? Yeah. Then you have an organization pop up who are like, oh, we have all the solutions. It's like uh, making a deal with the devil, really. But it's like, here's the solution that yeah. you is, need, maybe not you want. Yeah. Is that not then the first order being prevalent and having that? I fake think what Cole's image? saying, and I think is I'm it, seeing it now, is maybe they do their grand opening or their yeah, big announcement like an, at the end of the third act of the first movie. Something like that, yeah. And then in the second movie, you see the public sentiments like, fuck yeah, first order. That's yeah, the good exactly. shit. You see yeah. the sentiment grow in the first movie first with someone mm. like Senator Hux, who's like, oh, maybe the maybe the Imperials had some of it right. And he says that in a Senate meeting. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, later on, we see the first order get revealed. And then they'll, and then you see the public sentiment in the second movie, and they're like, "Oh wow, these guys are like, they have it locked down. This is great. We're no longer afraid of the crime underworld. Yeah. They have provided us with security." Yeah, exactly. And then you see it get twist. Yeah, exactly. That's a really interesting way to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, like if the first order were to get into power, into power, you know, the average person, they're going to see an improvement in their lives. Okay. But what the real horror is, it's the fact that everyone else suffers so tremendously. Yeah. And most people, you know, are willing to give up their rights for security. 
I feel like you're still getting the same themes and messages whether you have it them prevalent. A big reveal or not? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think what Cole is saying is that like the sentiment grows first and then yeah, the organization grows. Yeah, it's like a more of a Either way, we're still seeing, seeing the sentiment be there by Hux trying to persuade to in, bring them in. So I feel like the sentiment's there either way because they're still trying to present a public image of this is what we are, this is how we can help the galaxy. The, the only really difference is they come in later in the movie and they present and they show that. Whereas if we have them already there and ha like have them as something that's known but not working for the New Republic and then something that Hux is pushing for to be sort of semi a part of the New Republic, it then becomes more of that manipulative, oh, we've been playing that game, we've been creating like subterfuge and like giving the crime syndicates more weapons so that we can use that as a smoke screen to yeah. occupy their planets. Yeah. I honestly personally could go either way right now, just because, you know, we've been talking about it. So many thoughts being yeah. tossed out, you know, something we'll lock down later. Definitely some interesting ideas, definitely an interesting direction with mm. that. I love, I like the idea of like the reveal at the end. That's something yeah, I, I think working. that could be a fun, like fun moment. Um, um, I, yeah, big moment. My question is if they reveal themselves, how do they reveal themselves? Um, Do they just show up and say, hey, we're this army that's been fighting yeah. crime syndicates Well, um, and they haven't known about it Well, what ages? could perhaps happen is, you know, you have all, we're sort of running under the assumption there are politicians who are kind of secretly working with it, right? Maybe, you know, what happens is something happens in the context of the plot and then all the politicians who are First Order people, they come out and are like, oh, you know, we're starting this little group called the First Order and um, we have all these resources and... Uh, there's an issue in the galaxy we're going to take care of. So maybe it's like all the people who are secretly working with the First Order sort of do this like big unveiling to the public where they like just state their intention or some, something along those lines. Might not work. No, no, that's, that's um, an idea. That's an idea. I right. Like, yeah, okay. it's an interesting scene. Um, but we're going to have to wrap it up there. So I'm just going to quickly uh, cover something. We've done politics again. We've got on our soapbox and we've talked, you know, liberal yes. talking points and um, stuff. We don't want to be talking heads, but we are very open to feedback and criticism and comments from anyone who's listening and has something that they want to say. And we're, you know, we're happy to engage in that conversation politely uh, and, you know, with yeah. with good intentions. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, well, I think it is important to listen to the other side. Yeah, no, it's I, I definitely Absolutely. agree with that. Yeah, something we haven't really, we haven't really dived into it a whole lot yet. Uh, we haven't really had the chance to engage with any audience about it, but... We're open to it for sure. But anyways, that's that's the end of our soapbox. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully it's not too insufferable. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that has been our episode uh, on Phasma and the First Order. Yeah, our episode on Phasma and the First Order. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching if you've watched along. Uh, you know, go ahead and follow us on Patreon. Check out our link tree. We've got everything up and running now. But until next time, may the force be with you.